0: I'll tell you, like Elizabeth Taylor told each of her husbands, I'll not keep you very long. I know the hour is late, and uh, I appreciate the way that you have worshipped and our wonderful prayer time together. And I have a full message uh, to bring, but let me just sort of give you the skeletal uh, remains of it, all right? Uh, Let me just break it down a little bit for you as we are We're in uh, wonderful times, but difficult times. We're in times of persecution. We're in times of distress. And Jesus said there would be wars and rumors of wars, and we see that, and we see rebellion and difficulty and division all over this world. And we live in such a time where the Next thing we could hear would be the trump of God and the voice of the archangel, and we would go home to be with Jesus. Uh, that ought to bring a resounding amen. For we are at that time, and I really believe that, and I'm, I'm not trying to take advantage of what's going on in, in uh, Europe. I'm very concerned about it, and we're praying for that. And I'm not stuck on that, I want you to know, but I realize that what we see in our world has been told to us through Scripture that we were going to live in times such as this. And we have been told that it can be very difficult for the Christian even in these times, but Jesus tells us not to lose faith, not to lose hope. We know that our redemption draws nigh. We know that what we have preached and we've taught and we believed and we have longed for all of our days since we came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior is soon going to come to fruition. Now, I speak on the second coming of Jesus probably more often than any other preacher around here. But I believe it's because, I do that because I believe, I should say, that it's important that we bring that out. It's important that we teach on it. It is very important that the people of God understand the day in which we live and what is on God's agenda for us. What is on God's agenda for us shouldn't bring about a spirit of fear. It should not bring about at all a spirit of, oh, I hope not now. It shouldn't bring that kind of a a, a reaction from us at all. It ought to bring about a reaction of joy, one of anticipation, one where hope wells up within us and overflows out of us because of the promises of God. You know, the church of yesterday used to sing, the world is not my home. But today... We don't often refer to the world not being our home. We are so comfortably at home in this world that we're no heavenly good sometimes. But the church of yesteryear was so uncomfortable in this world that they longed for, sang about, talked about, preached about, conversed about the coming of Jesus and an eternity with him in heaven and matter of fact in yesteryear when i was much younger boys and girls most churches especially Baptist churches had at least every two or three years if not annually a study on the book of the revelation a study on the end times and i came up in those days with a an understanding and a teaching all the time that that i remember even in this day and through even through my Seminary days, when I was studying in seminary, when I was taught incorrectly in the seminary, I knew better because I had been trained right as a young man and a, as a teenager and a child growing up when we studied those truths time and time again. And I, I stand before you today to get, not to be an alarmist, not to be someone that would bring up fright and, and, and concern in your heart and your life, and I'm not, I'm not camping out on this simply because of what we're facing with Russia and what's going on in Europe, but I'm telling you, we are living in the day when what we ought to be doing is anticipating, looking forward to, working because it's coming and telling others about Jesus. We ought to be involved in the works of God like never before, looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to carry us out of this world and to take us to the place that he's prepared for us. The scripture is filled with all types and likings of what God has planned. You can go back to the Old Testament as I did last year and part of the year before and preaching through the types or the portraits of Christ starting in Genesis and going through much of the Old Testament, to see that the truth of God's plan of redemption, the the truth of what his plan is for the church and for the world, they come out so clearly in the studies of the Old Testament. But one of the things that we can grow from and learn from is the Jewish wedding. And I want to read a scripture to you found in Matthew chapter 25, and Jesus is speaking himself, and he says this in verse 1 through 13, Matthew 25, if you'd like to turn there. He said, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise, and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took the oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. Then all of those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they were gone to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready, went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Surely, surely, or assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, Jesus says, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming." We see weddings in the Old Testament which were beautiful pictures and portraits of the plan that God has for those to be redeemed and for them to be a part of the church, the bride of Christ. In today's wedding, the bride is the special one at the wedding. Everyone adores the bride. Everyone, all the attention is on her. And the groom, he's just a necessary evil. He just stands over to the side, you know, poor old thing. He he may be a strapping young, vibrant fella, but at the wedding, he's just there. You know, he's he's bought her the ring to tell her that he loves her and he's planning on marrying her, and he gave her. A ring that he really didn't couldn't afford but he got it anyway and made payments on it till he paid it out and he he got her that wedding ring or that uh, engagement ring and they were promised to be married and the day for the wedding came and here he stands over here by his best man and she comes parading down the aisle and everybody's oohing and on and oh isn't she beautiful I mean she could be ugly as homemade sin but Everybody's talking about how pretty the bride is, you know, and he's just there. But you see, in the Jewish wedding, the groom was the celebrated one. The groom chose who was going to be his bride, and he paid a price for her. He actually paid a price for her. And those young girls could know how much their fiancé thought of them by how much he paid her dad for her. And you can see some of those girls, and they got to be married, and they're older ladies, and they go to the well to get water, and they're around talking, and one of them comes strutting up, and she says, you know, I'm a 10-cow bride. What do you mean? My husband gave my dad 10 cows for me. You can see the heads bow. One of the others speaks of, she says, well, I'm not but a three-cow bride. And another one says, I'm a one-cow bride. Then finally, this ugly girl, she says, all my dad got was a goat. But you see, Jesus paid an awesome price for his bride. Jesus took all of his holiness, all of his purity, all of his innocence, all of his sinlessness, and gave it up for his bride, the redeemed, the church. And he stretched out his arms on the horizontal piece of the cross of Calvary, and his hands were nailed to that cross, and then it was slid in place, and his feet were nailed to the vertical beam of the cross. And there he gave all of his holiness all of his purity, all of his righteousness, all that he was, he gave himself on the cross for his bride, the church. And contrary to the teachings of the Old Testament of the, of the groom being so important and the bride not being so important, the apostle Paul, through his writings to the church, helps the man understand that she is to be adored, she is to be praise. She is to be loved. She's to be protected. She is to be provided for. He has given the charge to the groom to take care of that as an example of what Jesus has done through his death and his resurrection for the church. He's in charge. He provides for us. He gives us all that we have. He has promised us an eternity. He's made the promise that he's coming back again, and he's going to do that. And so we understand that truth of of what was taught through these weddings and the bridegroom. You see, in the Old Testament, the groom would propose, ask the father, give the father what he was supposed to give, and then she would be betrothed to him. And he'll say, I'll be back. That's the reason Jesus uses this parable. He said, I'll be back. Where are you going? i got to go to my father's house, and i got to build a, a, a wedding chamber. I, I've got to build a bridal suite, if you would. I've got to build a place for us to live. i got to go get everything ready. When I have everything prepared, I'll come back. But you be watching and waiting, because when I come back, I'm taking you to my father's house and we're going to dwell at my father's house. Oh, you see the picture? Jesus said to his followers, I'm going away. You can't go where I'm going, but let not your heart be troubled because I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm coming again to receive you unto myself, that where you where I am, there you may be also. And then you turn to the writings of the Apostle Paul again, and he helps us understand that, that one day Jesus is coming, and this corruptible will put on incorruption, and this mortal will put on immortality. And he says, Then we'll be brought to pass the saying, O death, where is thy sting? Oh grave, where is your victory? And he says that the sting of death and the victory of the grave is is, is sin, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Christ Jesus. So Jesus has promised he's coming back. And through his earthly ministry to make sure that his bride knew that he was serious about that and that she would have her trousseau all packed and ready as the bride of the Old Testament was to be ready and Everything's supposed to be packed in a trousseau. It's already on the wagon, ready to be carried and, and covered so it wouldn't get rained on. And she's waiting and longing, and, and she put on a veil from the day that she was purchased from her dad, and she's waiting for her bride, and she's wearing that veil, and she's waiting, and, and she hears, the bridegroom cometh! And she goes out to meet him and he takes her to the place he's prepared for her. And he takes her to that place he's prepared for her, and they spend seven days closed up in that place that he's prepared for his bride. Then after those seven days, they come out. She's taken off her veil, and he presents her as his bride, his wife, and a celebration takes place, and a feast takes place. Jesus said, I'm going away. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I prepared that place for you, I'm coming again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He says, be prepared. He says, when you see things that start to happen, when there are wars and rumors of wars, when you when you see the evil that approaches, when you see the persecution of the church, when you see all of these things come to fruition, you'll know that your redemption draws nigh. Be looking and longing and waiting, for soon, he says, I'll be coming back, and I'll take my bride. I'll lift her out of the world and and give her a new body and give her a, a, a new person she'll be and I'll raise those that are dead in a new body I'm going to gather them all from all the four corners of the earth that have placed their faith in me they're a part of the bride of Christ and I'm going to take them to my father's house and for seven years we're going to be together and we're going to end that with a marriage supper of the Lamb And we're going to have a wonderful celebration. And then I'm coming back in power and glory, and you come in with me, and I'm not going into all of that that transpires. Five were ready. Five were not. Five were trusting and longing and waiting, believing, committed to the bridegroom, were not oh they didn't want to be left behind they didn't want to be left out of this occasion they wanted to be a part of this but no no they didn't do what the bridegroom told them to do they didn't stay prepared they weren't longing and waiting they they they, they didn't have the all that they needed to keep their lamps burning And so they ran to do something else. And while they were gone, the bridegroom came. And listen to what he says. And the door was shut, and they were not allowed to come in. Can I tell you, when the bridegroom comes, when the Lord Jesus comes soon and very soon, and he takes his bride, the church, you and me that are saved, and he takes us out of this place and takes us to the place that he has prepared for us, and we are the bride of Christ, and he's the bridegroom, and there's going to be a celebration. There will be those that were counting on heaven. There will be those that didn't want to be left behind. There are be those that don't want to go to hell. There will be those that said, oh, I plan to do differently. But when Jesus comes, there won't be any announcement, and everybody running around getting the stuff ready, and I'll be there in a minute, Jesus. I'm, I'm going, Let me get my makeup on. I can't get there yet. Wait a minute. i got to blow dry my hair. Won't be any of that. I got to get rid of some of the software on my computer. The point of the message is the bride is to be ready. In order for the bride to be ready, for you personally to be ready, you have to be a part of the bride. To know Him. To have made a commitment to Him that you will be ready for His coming. Because you trusted Him and believed on Him as Lord and Savior. Can I sound the alarm this morning? I can't do it very loudly. The bridegroom cometh. The bridegroom's coming. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Is your lamp trimmed and burning? Is there a light in your life? That's a testimony to others. For Jesus is abundantly clear that those who know him, who are prepared, will spend eternity with him in heaven. Those who do not know him will be left behind to stand before him at the great white throne judgment and to hear him say, sorry, I never knew. So the question is, does he know you? And Do you know him? Have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you ready for his coming? What if this should be the time? What if Russia is successful? What if Putin does lose whatever mind he may have left and he goes into nuclear warfare? Most of their arsenal is aimed for the United States and other parts of the world. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying, should that be the case, are you ready? Do you know Jesus, are you born again? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the wonderful time we've had together in this place today. Thank you for our men who so capably and wonderfully led us in a season of prayer. Our hearts are heavy. Our minds are boggled as we see what is on the horizon and what appears to be shaping up in the world in which we live. Lord, we know you're able. You're able to intervene. You're able to snuff Putin out in a minute. You're able to change his heart. You're able to protect the people that are in harm's way today. Lord, may we walk with you, may we trust you, and may we faithfully look for you, the author and finisher of our faith, the Lord God Almighty, the one who gave himself for us that we could have life and that we could have it eternally with him. Have your way in this time, Lord, if there's one person that does not have the matter settled in their own heart, that Jesus is Lord of their life, may this be the moment they come to you. Have your way in Jesus' name, amen.